Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hey friends, if you want to be the first to catch every episode that comes out on a weekly basis, make sure that you sign up for the notification that you can sign up at secretsfromthesaddlepodcast.ca. That's secretsfromthesaddlepodcast.ca so you don't ever miss an episode. Thanks everyone and don't forget to ride your bike. All right. Well, happy new year, everybody. I know it's February. And but the thing is that I was on a five week vacation, family vacation uh, to Australia and New Zealand and um, Hawaii. And so I, I, you know, set everything up to go out while I was gone. So it wasn't me live, but I just I'm really grateful to be back. I miss you guys. And we had just an absolutely amazing time. Um, but I have some announcements because it is February. Oh my God, where is every, where's the month gone? I just feel like if you're in Canada or sorry, in you're in Quebec, Chelsea, where I am, and you're getting a bit of this weather, that's crazy mild and we haven't seen snow in like a month and uh it just feels like spring and i just want to get my bike out and go for a ride um or maybe not a right ride but you've been inside swifting it out or maybe not and you're hoping to have a strong spring but you're not quite sure like you're a bit overwhelmed and like maybe you feel a little behind the eight ball because it is February and we literally have two months until April and then that's when the fun starts and you're kind of feeling like you're not sure if your training game is getting you where you are you maybe you're falling off the wagon and uh, things are kind of uh, not going as planned and you'd be busy and um, but so maybe this eight week program might be for you so I have had a 20 week we literally started in November training and I know that at this point in time um, you know in November a lot of people are like not into the 20 weeks but by February, you're kind of looking for something to help keep you on track and motivated and doing the right stuff until the spring hits and you take your bike off the trainer and you get outside. So I'm offering up the last week, the last eight weeks to join me in with my training group to really get some targeted workouts in or so as targeted as training. So we have uh, I coach one night. Um, everything can be found at this website, cyclingskillspro.com. So go to cyclingskillspro.com. Got a little bit of a write-up there. It's basically four to six hours a week. 
And that's it, guys. You don't have to do more. You probably shouldn't be doing less if you want to be really strong uh, out of the gate. But what I do is Thursday nights are developed, uh, are dedicated to skills like pedal stroke, hill climbing, strength and speed, bike form, all that stuff that is going to get you um, to where you want to be is in that night. So that's the key night. And then we have a Saturday group ride, which is, you know, endurance base. So building your base. And then Tuesdays, uh, I pick a swift workout to do that is based on the training where we're at. So it's three times a week. And um, if you're, you don't really need any more than that. Um, so it's kind of nice to have something scheduled, something on the calendar, and you can just sort of move along and and just get the workouts in. That's how I find it. Um, adding more is kind of overwhelming and stresses me out because I've got way lots of other things to do. And I'm sure that you're just like me. Um, so that's it. Uh, our eight week, it is starting February 15th. So you got to get registered straight away. It is only $125 Canadian. So if you're close to the Eastern timeline or time zone, um, maybe in the central time zone, this is for you just so it doesn't interfere with too much. Uh, if you're retired, this is amazing. Um, if you want to just be coached and told what to do, this is additionally amazing. Um, it has worked for me for a long time uh, and I'm going to train, I'm training for Unbound XL. So I am doing a teensy bit more, um, but uh, if you're just wanna be strong for the spring, this could potentially be it for you. It is super fun. We do Zoom, we do Swift, and uh, you can find it at cyclingskillspro.com. Don't wait. Okay, could we get started next week, literally. And also, um, I am going to be doing uh, two, a fundraiser in March, and a virtual dinner party talking about Unbound Excel and how to prepare for it, or <laughs> the pros and cons, good and bad things that I did last year, and that I'm going to do better this year. So, Stay tuned on uh, my socials, on the socials for that. Um, the fundraiser is towards the Ride to Conquer Cancer, for which I have a team. Uh, if it's something you're motivated to do, or you're looking for something like a group or like a you know reason to do a road trip to Toronto, um, also reach out to me on social because looking for people and also the dinner party, which... The dinner party is March 8th, so put that on your calendar. Um, it's over Zoom. Um, we'll have, we'll sit down with some beer and wine and uh, have some fun stuff with breakout groups and things like that just to discuss like where you're at. Anyways, just wanted to put that out there, those notifications. I know it's pretty long, but let's get into this amazing episode with Jessica Mullen, who we actually talk about Unbound. That's on her bucket list. She's done Leadville a couple times, which is on my bucket list. And I'm super excited to have her on the podcast. Thanks a lot, everybody. And we'll see you in the episode. All right, everybody. This is going to be a super special episode because 
Um, I have a new friend on Instagram. Her name is Jessica Mullen. And uh, we were just DMing uh, back and forth on Instagram about uh, Leadville and Excel. Because Leadville is on my kind of to-do list uh, simply because I want the the belt buckle (laughs) to just be transparent about that. Um, And she reached out to me about Excel. Um, And so we were trying to connect for a phone conversation. I said, Hey, do you want to do an episode about that? And uh, so this is basically, we're comparing the two Excel, uh, Unbound Excel and Leadville. What does it mean? How to prepare um, just straight up conversation and questions between two women. Um, and I hope you really enjoy this episode because I've been, I really, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So let's get into it. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Dew. And we have the amazing Jessica Mullins from Colorado. And the this episode is a really, really cool one because I reached out to Jen- Jessica on Instagram about Leadville. And I and then she asked me about Unbound. And I can't remember which which one was first, but then I said, yeah, let's just connect. I'll share share my my experience with Unbound XL. And you can share your experience with Leadville because it seems like she's done it multiple times and it's on my bucket list. And then I was like, hey, why don't, because we couldn't get, ourselves together to get on the phone I was like let's just do a podcast episode about this because I think Leadville versus Unbound XL for to me is kind of like on the same playing field because one's like mountain biking and I know that there's gravel in there but it's really mountain biking and then there's the long endurance um like Unbound XL race that's just epic across uh, the globe. And so I am so grateful. Jess was like, yeah, let's do this. And she is sitting, like I said, in Colorado. Um, and I just really thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on. She's going to tell you a little bit about herself and what she's up to right now. And then we're going to just get right into it. Take it away, Jess. Thank you so so much for having me. This is super fun. Um, yeah, I am, I'm relatively new to the cycling world. Um, I mean, maybe about 12 years that I've been riding a bike. I didn't like ride a bike when I was a kid. I actually grew up and it was a total ballerina. So <laughs> I didn't do anything outdoorsy. I was all about ballet. And um, after college, I, I studied engineering in college. And then after college, I went into the Peace Corps and oh. I was a math teacher in West Africa. And it's while I was there that I discovered that I love the outdoors and I loved being outside and I loved doing things outside. And so when I returned to the United States, I was like trying to figure out where I wanted to live. And the people I met, um, the other Americans that I met while doing the Peace Corps were like, well, if you want to be outdoorsy, you have to move to Colorado. (laughs) Like, okay. Okay. So I moved to Colorado to become outdoorsy. So... (laughs) Um, so here I am. Here I am. Yeah. So I moved, <laughs> I moved out here um, in 2001 and I spent a long time doing rock climbing and mountaineering and ice oh. climbing and a lot of that kind of stuff. And then um, had a kiddo 
and that made going on day-long mountaineering trips challenging. Um, moved to an awesome neighborhood with some great single track, and I wasn't, I like had occasionally ridden a mountain bike. It wasn't like I'd never ridden a bike before, but um, I- Not like Colorado riding, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> so I had a good friend who was like, hey, let's go on a wussy girl ride. That's what she said. Um, and she was like 18 months pregnant. I was not a mountain biker. And she took me to Buffalo Creek which is kind of one of the, you know, very popular areas outside of the Denver area here in Colorado. So she took me to Buffalo Creek and said, we're going to do this chill, chill girl ride. And I was like, okay, you know, I had not actually literally been on a bike at that point in probably three plus years. Like I hadn't even like sat on a bike. Um, and she's pregnant. So you're like, this should be pretty easy. Should be pretty easy. So, so <laughs> about, about four hours into the ride, I'm out of food. I'm out of water. <laughs> I'm like in tears. I am miserable. The whole ride took about six hours <sighs> and it was horrible. And I got home from that ride and I was like, I'm never mountain biking again. This was horrible. So what did you get lost? What was she thinking? It was just, I guess, a bigger ride than she was thinking. It's a ride oh. that these days would take me probably three hours. Right. Um, but I would not. Yeah, it was it was not a great experience. So. So I didn't get on a bike for a couple months. And then another one of my friends was like, hey, you know, we got these trails, you know, in Ken Carroll where we live, we should go on a mountain bike ride. And I was like, like oh, mm -hmm. okay. And so this friend took me up the like, there's a notorious climb in this, in our neighborhood <laughs> called Manor House. And it's a steep fire road. That's what it is. It's a steep fire road up. So she took me up this steep fire road climb which is miserable like no one does this unless you're like training for something or if everything else you didn't turn around you're like screw that oh my god so I went up this and it was just oh. so not fun and got back from that ride and I was like I am seriously never mountain biking again <laughs> I need new friends <laughs> yeah exactly so fast forward a couple oh. more months and there was kind of a group of women who would ride in the neighborhood on Tuesday nights and somehow, and I was in a book club with, with several of them. So they were like, you should really come ride with us. Like they had heard these other experiences and they're like, we promise you, it's not going to be like that. Like, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. So I went on this ride and it was super chill. It was super fun. It was like women supporting women, riding bikes in a social atmosphere. It was not hard. Um, we went over mm. to someone's house afterwards and had drinks and I was like, okay, I could do this. And so I went on a couple <laughs> this more I could do. <laughs> yeah. I went on a couple more of those rides and I was like, all right, this is fun. I really like this. And it was good single track and it wasn't like, you know, straight up a mountain sort of thing to start. And it was just really fun. And that was kind of, it was like latish fall when that happened. So I was like, kind of getting the bug into mountain biking but then winter hit and I wasn't that into it like there's no way I was going to be like riding in the winter time at that yeah, yeah. Of my mountain biking and and right now so mind you the the bike I'm riding at this point was a bike I bought when I bought when I moved to Colorado so this is about 2013 ish and it was a bike I bought in 2001 mm -hmm. at Wee Ridge Cyclery yeah I have one of those 
$500 on it, which yeah. I thought to myself, how does anyone spend this much money on a bike? <laughs> you know, crazy, I right? That someone would spend $500 on a bike. I was like, that seemed so expensive to me. My first one was 700 and I put on, I remember when you had those layaway options yeah, where you could yeah. go and you could pay until you paid it off. That was mine. Yeah. And I still have that bike, but it's, I don't ride it. I just ride it to the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. I don't have this one anymore, but I, over the winter time was thinking, oh, I should probably get a new bike. And, you know, so I got into it, like, and it was a little bit of a rough start getting into cycling, but then I realized I, I have a competitive spirit and, um, my kids started preschool. So I was able to have some, some time where I could get out like a little, like two and a half hour block of time. And I would go ride my bike in the neighborhood and just started loving it. It was so that's kind of my origin story for cycling. Okay. But like now you organize, like you have a team right, yeah. and like you're, you're competing and like, okay, how did that start? So, yeah. So I, one of the women <laughs> who was in this cycling group, she raced some and she was okay. like, you should try racing. And like, so I was like, okay. And so I lined up, it was actually, I love crazy. that. Okay. I, so my first race that I picked, I picked a race and I picked the 60 mile distance mountain bike race. And oh. I don't know why, like I, I'm, I'm someone who, you know, bites it off big, I guess. Um, <laughs> bites it off big. I like that. <laughs> it was called the battle of the bear. It's a race that doesn't exist anymore in its current form battle of the bear. And I go that day and it started pouring earlier that morning and the trail conditions at this specific park do not handle rain. And so I got like a mile and a half into the race. My bike was not functioning anymore. They ended up calling the race and pulling everyone back. So okay. that was my very first race experience. It was not. You didn't have to do the hundred kilometers. Yeah. It was <laughs> underwhelming. Oh, um, Jesus. <laughs> and then um, they gave me a transfer entry into another one of their races later that season called the Peaceful Valley Derby. Um, so I did well, that. That sounds one. more more reasonable peaceful, right? peaceful yeah I like that um, so it was 44 miles um I wanted to finish I feel like my goal was like five hours or less and I and I beat my goal and I had a good time and I was like this is really fun and I just I started just mountain biking all the time and I love the technical challenge I I think it reminded me a lot of rock climbing hmm I was really into rock climbing and then I got injured. And so I couldn't rock climb at the level I was rock climbing at. So I just stopped rock climbing. Um, but that technical challenge that trying to like clean something that was really appealing to me in mountain biking. Um, so I think that's what really got me into it. And then I ended up joining a team that my friend was on who got me into doing that first race. And then ended up switching to a different team that was kind of local. Um, and that's the team I'm currently on called Avout Racing. Um, and over the years, that team, like I got more and more involved and um, right. it was started as just an adult team. I think I joined it when it was in its like second or third year. Like um, women or mixed? No, mixed, actually mostly men, um, but some women. Um, sprinkle and, of women. Yeah, sprinkle <laughs> of women, exactly. Um, <laughs> And then 
in 2016, um, there was a group of like neighborhood kids riding bikes who were looking to be on a, a team and get some sort of like support. And so about racing brought on this group of juniors. Um, and I continued to get more involved. And then in 2019, um, I became the team manager and the executive director of our nonprofit. Um, so oh, that was cool. like four and a half years ago. Um, and four and a half years ago, when I came on board, we had about 50 kids riding bikes with us. And this past year, we had 350 kids. Holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and we like, it's super cool because we're totally building this bridge. We start with two-year-olds on strider bikes. um, (gasps) Oh my God. I love it. Yes. It's so cute. (laughs) Um, All the way to like teens racing at the national level, winning national championships. So we Mm -hmm. offer a full spectrum of programs um, to, you know, build this bridge and, and take any kid you know, where they want to go in cycling. So we offer recreational programs for those who want to, you know, do it at a recreational level. And then we offer, you know, race focused programs for those who want to race. And we're, our team is focused in mountain biking and cyclocross. That's what our team focuses on. Um, I, I am a mountain biker myself, but I've dabbled in cyclocross, but it's not for me. It's way too short. Um, so uh, you don't like that intense hour. <laughs> Yeah, I rather rather like you know be chill, like suffer long as you yeah. for like, like many many long, hours long hours yeah. yeah then redline for an hour like that sounds horrible so so yeah I mean I um you know I continued mountain biking and in let's see last year 2022 um I won my age group for mountain bike nationals so that was pretty fun oh awesome um and then also I won I actually. Uh, was in the next age group, aged up um, to the next age group this year um, and won that. And it was last year that like, I was starting to get more results mountain biking. And, you know, even though I'm this like mid forties mom, like with a full time. Don't undersell yourself. (laughs) I love it. Like, and I love, and I love being competitive. So I decided to, to apply to the lifetime Grand Prix last year, you know, thinking it was a total long shot. Like, you know, did you get in? And so I got in. So I did the Grand Prix last year. Oh, last year. Okay. Yeah. So, so last year. And so I got into the Grand Prix. I was like, oh, well, I I didn't have a gravel bike. I had never been on a gravel bike. I had never done a gravel ride. So I got a gravel bike. That was super fun. I kind of like put some feelers out and, um, uh, acquaintance of mine, he um, is the CEO of Spot Cycles, and Spot was just coming out with this like brand new race gravel bike called the Rally, and he was like, "I'd love to get you on this bike," and so I was like, "Okay," um, and so I got bike one of that. Like it was their very first, you know. I, I say that he has bike zero, but I have bike one <laughs> that bike. So, um, and I've loved gravel, so it's been fun. I mean, doing the Grand Prix was humbling at best. Um, like, I mean, lining up with, you know, Sophia and Sarah and, you know, Hannah. Uh, Yeah. Liz and yeah, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Um, and you know, I was definitely like back of the pack in that group of people, but you know, I was there, I was out there. I kind of would say like, well, you know, someone has to finish last at the Olympics, you know? So, um, and I didn't finish. There's only one spot at the top. 
exactly. you know, like, and you just do your best. But that's like with the Grand Prix. Uh, no, the uh, yeah, the Grand Prix that, um, or sorry, lifetime Grand Prix. Yeah. That's seven events, right? Yeah. And you have to use five out of the seven, or you could do five out of seven and drop two. Which ones did you did you do? So I did everything but the crusher in the tusher. Oh, okay. Um, and that one actually was because it conflicted with the uh, mountain bike nationals. Um, okay. Which I which I didn't care that much about for myself, but because I run this cycling team, I was out at mountain bike nationals with the cycling team. Right. All the juniors who were yeah. there. So priority. Make that one. But um, I made all the rest. Um, and actually, one of the reasons, so getting to Leadville. Yeah. Um, I actually only have done it once. One of the reasons I applied for the Grand Prix was to get into Leadville. So I, you know, I've done all these big events. Like I've done the Breck 100 and the Bailey Hundo and the Firecracker 50 and the Breck Epic and you know, a lot of these bigger local events, Park City Point to Point, which is a great race. And, you know, you, you say you're an endurance mountain biker and any person who, you know, you say that to, they're like, oh, well, you have, have you done the Leadville 100? That's the question they ask. <laughs> yeah. And I would always be like, well, no, like, I'm not really that interested. It's not really a mountain bike ride. It's like on roads. And like, so I kind of was, you know, not super stoked to do it, but I kind of, I decided like in tw like for 2023, I was like, I want to do Leadville now. I want to check it off the list. And if I, you know, applied to the Grand Prix, that would make sure I got in. And like, I was like, well, sweet. I'll give that a go. That's a good point. Yeah. So, hmm. so this, but then you have to do everything else. So you really have to commit yeah. to everything else. <laughs> and it was fun. I mean, it was like, it was a good time, you know, <laughs> it was almost going to be that my first mount or my first gravel race was going to be the unbound 200, but I was like, I really should do something before it. So I did do one gravel race before I did the unbound 200. Um, uh -huh. I did this race called Code to it, which is here in Colorado. It's like, I did 125 miles. So, um, and actually I, I've been loving, I mean, I, the mountain bike is still my true love, but the gravel bike is fun. It's a fun alternative. Um, and so, yeah, I did the unbound 200 and, and the irony of it all is, you know, after finishing the unbound 200, anyone around me, I was like, don't ever let me do this again. This was the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you feel that? Um, <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, it's long, right? Yeah. It's kind of just silly to ride your bike for, you know, 14 hours. Um, mm-hmm. And the mud pits were pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah. That one at mile 11 that has gotten all the press. Um, you know, you're, you're half hour into your race and you hit this mud pit and you're just like. Yeah, I think that's just was unfortunate. No, like, I don't know if it was planned like that. Yeah. But that, I mean, but that was last year. Yeah. That wasn't this year. Yeah, that was so, this year. Like, that was this year. Oh, oh you were in there this year? Yeah. Oh. I didn't realize you did this year. Yeah. Okay, so we were together. Yes. We crossed paths at some point. Probably. I'm sure, like in the in the expo area. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, uh, yeah. I guess at the yeah. I guess hitting that right at the right at the beginning would have been like a absolutely a motivation crusher. 
um because i hit it at uh 11 p.m friday night that seems like a pretty big motivation crusher right then although maybe like, well it's it's, it. <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's like pitch black right you cannot see anything in front of you so you just are totally surprised that you're no longer moving at all on your bike and you're like what the hell is going on and then you look over to the side and you just see all these lines in the grass you're like get off the grass get off like oh my god and then it just keeps going and going like and as soon as you get off the course like you got so much mud and then you I always say like you you bike off and then you pick up all the little rocks off the side and then you hit into the grass and then you know of course you look over and you're like oh that looks looks pristine like like we could ride that as soon as you put your bike in it, it's like no. okay back into the grass yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah I think the darkness was was something because I was kind of like there was me and one other guy or two other guys that kind of hit it at the same time and uh and then uh because I was at that point I was like I crossed I passed a ton of people at the first uh pit stop well pit stop uh, a store my goal was to fly by that and I I spent like five minutes there and I passed like 30 people so I've got to know like what are you buying at the store like okay so people are joking with me because I'm a vegan and people are like you're gonna you're gonna be eating roller dogs by the end of that right oh god yeah seriously um I was like all natural blah blah I'm gonna make my own stuff um yeah no you will be eating that stuff um and uh, so my my strategy was because I knew that that was at 125k for me 125 or whatever, 60, 70 kilometers, uh, 70 miles. Um, a lot of people don't bring food with them, like enough food, and they stock up at these stores. So they keep it light, right? Where I, uh, and, and water as well. So I carried like 66 liters on my bike. I had oh, wow. two on my back and two in bottles. Uh, no, uh, four bottles. I had four bottles and two liters in my back. And um, so I was like, okay, when I get to this, um, when I got there, like all these guys, like all these fast guys and girls were sitting there relaxing, filling up for their water, eating, buying stuff. I went in, went to the bathroom. Um, I think I, I filled up a little, I, I transitioned some water around and, uh, and I left. And I left all these people, like I was mid pack. So, you know, it just thinking about that. So I bought all my own food. Like I just stocked everything. I wasn't really planning on buying too much because I knew what exactly what my options were. Right. However, I did make my own, I made my own mix of some food that went bad in oh. the sun by the time I got to it. And I did not even think about that. And, and so there was it. I made um so I've done this before, a sweet potato mix. 
that I put in like little squeezable pouches Mm -hmm. that I can just eat on the go. And um, for whatever reason, I don't know, because I added more butter to them. And I'm not sure if that's was part of the factor but by the time I got to them the next day I probably should have eaten them right away or maybe it was the the heat of the the day Friday I don't know but they fermented and bloated up by the time I got to them so I had four pouches which is like 3,000 calories at least and so I had to I had to get rid of it and then I was like what the hell am I going to replace this with Oh my gosh, that's right. And so that's when I went in, I start buying cheeseburgers. And wow. I felt like a different person. <laughs> like, so I didn't want to do it. Like I went in, I don't want, I don't want to buy sweets. I don't want to buy chips. Like I want to, I don't like want to have this bad gut. Um, I brought a lot of my own bars and like that I like. Um, and, but I had to, I had to go and buy the cheeseburger and I ate it and I felt like I was superwoman. And so I was like, okay, I get it. Like, but I didn't do like the chips and the multiple chocolate bars or the beef jerky, which would have been nice. I did bring some, I never touched it. Um, I had all these backups, but not enough, like quality high calorie stuff and um so that was a big eye opener right there (laughs) but thankfully I I like when I went to get it I was just like oh it's like really puffy in here and I'm like that's not a good sign and then I tasted it and I'm like no Sylvie like don't even go there because like you'll end up vomiting and being like seriously sick somewhere in Kansas (laughs) so I just I just went into everything else that I had and um and I was also banking on some um infinite nutrition um drinks like high caloric drinks and I didn't end up getting them either so I was kind of like set back in my nutritional plan um what do you mean by like how were you banking on them and not getting them like you thought you could well I was supposed to I was supposed to pick them up somewhere in Canada. I couldn't like in Emporia and I could not figure out where it was. And I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find this said bike shop and um, I couldn't contact the person who was supposed to sit there. So I I wasn't able to pick them up. Um, And so I had to, but the thing is I, what I did do is I bought a pizza before the, the race started and I just like, I packed that up, like I split it up and I packed and I, and I ate that. Like it wasn't the yummiest, but I ate it. <laughs> anyway, so thankfully I, I had that in my, my arsenal of food, but yeah. I definitely um, do things a little differently next year for sure. Like I'd have that liquid nutrition for one in my bottle and just uh, packages of it that I could easily put in with water. Um, yeah. and I would do the same thing. I like I would do that. Like when I, when I did the 200, I had water in my pack and then I had flow formulas, you know, a pretty heavy 
Mm -hmm. concentration of flow formulas in my bottles. So it was like about half and half, half water, mm -hmm. half flow. Yeah. It works out nicely because you don't always want something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need water. Yeah. Um, although in mud pit at mile 11, I used my entire camelback. To I know my bike and my chain to keep my chain to stay on my front because <gasps> my chain kept falling off my front cassette because it was just a little too gritty and a little too like gunked up. And so I used all of my water. Oh, so that, that was one thing that they recommended. Did you go in there with like a paint stick? I did. Yeah. So that was fine. And my, my bike has really good clearance, uh -huh. but you know, I had a relatively new chain. Um, and I think just getting a little bit of gunk, like made the chain almost be a little bit too tight. Right. And just kept kicking off the front cassette. Um, and that's uh, the most time. Are you a one by in the front? Yeah. I, I switched to two by after like riding last year so on a cassette. Yeah. Chain ring, my front chain ring. Yeah. It was just one. Yeah. yeah I have two. I changed it up. I hated it. I absolutely hate because it anyways. And, um, but I waxed my chain mm. before going and nothing stuck to it or That's my cassette. Like awesome. it was awesome. Cause I was looking at everybody else's bike. I was like, oh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I took, cause you know, they're, they're recommending like, if you're going to do it, you should wax your chain. I'm like, okay, I'll wax my chain. Yeah. Like, put that on my list for, for oh god it's so amazing jessica wax all your chains like just don't ever go back like set up the system and just do it because it's amazing it just it sounds so quiet um you know and then you have your wax chain lube you just put on every now and then and then uh you you do the whole clean system like i don't know a thousand kilometers um put it back on it just lubes up everything like you don't have to do but uh so tell me about Leadville because Leadville I've heard is um like there's some seriously thin narrow uh single speed single track um I've heard that uh I have a friend who, who's uh Mike uh um oh god but <laughs> blanking on my friend's name anyways he's done it like seven times um I want to say bike Randall that's what his Facebook um uh name is but anyways said so he's like you know you should go there a week ahead and climatize well you live there so it's not really a big deal and climatize but tell me about like the like training for it like because you're a mountain biker I'm not I started mountain biking a long time ago um I don't have an epic like new mountain bike um so that would be something that I would need to get if I was going to go do that but what is your experience with Leadville like your first time yeah so I I ended up doing the stage race first the Leadville stage I've race. heard that's a good idea yeah so my original plan before I you know got into the lifetime grand prix was that I was going to hopefully use the stage race to qualify um, and that would be my way oh. to get a spot at the Leadville 100, um, didn't end up needing that, but decided to do the stage race anyway, because everyone said, 
it's great. You basically ride the entire course over three days. The scene is super fun. There's like, you know, rider meals every night. Like, and it mm. was, it was fantastic. Like I actually, the Leadville stage race, I highly recommend. It's a small, intimate group of people. You know, it's not crazy, you know, ginormous crowds like the Leadville 100, you know, and they have like a meal after every, you know, stage and it's, it's really fun. And it was fun to be able to totally see the full course, like get to experience yeah. everything of the course. Um, Is that two weeks before? I think it was two weeks before. Yeah. I think yeah. that sounds right. Like it's three, really, was it three or four days or just it's a three day race, three day. Okay. Do you do 40, 20, 40 miles? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, where the 20 day is not the short day because that has the huge climb. It's a, the climb. Yeah. So, um, and I mean the, I mean, I'm a mountain biker and it's funny because you mentioned single track. There's like maybe two miles of single track on the entire course. There is no single track. Oh, but um, is that like, I've heard it's like right on, like on the edge of some cliff. No. I'm like trying to think of what would be on the edge. <laughs> I don't know. This is just what I've heard. But no. I'm just like envisioning this thing. And no. maybe it's because I've seen some videos. Yeah, no, um, the, the one single track session section is through like this field of sage. Like you're just. Wow, really? It's super fast and flowy. And, you know, inevitably you get behind someone who's not a mountain biker and you just want to like open Blow it up. Them. And enjoy and, and you can't. Uh, <laughs> but everything else is pretty much double track but the thing that's crazy and I, before I ever did this race and even after I'm like who makes a mountain bike race and out and back like that's so crazy oh yes yeah because you have oh my god yeah okay go ahead so like for a portion of the so <gasps> depending on who you are you know and how fast uh -huh. you are mm -hmm. um but I was like, I was pretty low on the Columbine climb when Keegan first went flying past me in the other direction. Um, and, and I didn't know him, like where he was. I looked at my, you know, time and like, was like, all right, where's everyone else? <laughs> 20 minutes later. Right. Exactly. Jesus, that kid um, is un unbelievable. It is. So you're, you're climbing up Columbine and the low part of Columbine is like a nice dirt road. Um, so the, so the oncoming traffic is not really a big deal on mm -hmm. that road, um, because it's nice wide dirt. There's no like line. It's just a nice dirt road. Yeah. But then you get to a more rugged, rocky place where you are trying to find lines. And then it's challenging because you have the oncoming traffic <sighs> coming. Down. Are there a lot of like crashes like head well, on? I think everyone's just, you know, it's self-preservation. So people. Right. Sides. Um, and so it, you end up walking stuff that you wouldn't walk because right. of traffic and because you can't choose your line, right. um, mostly oh. traffic, you know, in mm -hmm. the stage race, I, you know, in the stage race, I rode every single thing. Like mm -hmm. I never got off my bike in the stage race because there just wasn't as much traffic. Right. Um, but in the 100, um, towards the very top of Columbine, I did have to get off and walk because the people in front of me were walking and there was no way to get around them because of the oncoming traffic. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I remember hearing something about little, that. It was a little interesting. I mean, and I still kind of stand by the fact that it's a little silly for a race to be an out and back, but I will say it's pretty cool 
to see the people ahead of you and then the people behind you when you're going back down. Like, it's really kind of cool. Um, and you it, can kind of like seed yourself. I'm kind of like, okay, if there's this many women behind right? me, this many women in front, you know what I mean? Like doing the count. One, two, three. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it was, it was cool. And then, you know, on your way down, I mean, the thing about Leadville and is that, and, and, and this gets into why I'm considering Unbound XL is you know, there are people who show up for Leadville where this is like their Everest. Yeah. You know, like I went to Leadville and I knew that unless something went wrong, which always could happen, but unless yeah. something went wrong, I was going to finish this race. I didn't have any, I didn't have any doubt, you know, and mm -hmm. I felt pretty confident that I'd get the big buckle, like unless something went wrong, which I did. Right. Like, you know, and and so for me, like Leadville 100 was, you know, it's a hard race and it's a challenge, but, you know, it's so inspiring to see these people who are just trying to make it by the cutoff, who are just right. cutoffs. Yeah. Cause that's a, that's like a dead cutoff. Like yeah. your seconds past that you're forget it. You don't get that buckle. Yeah. Like, and I just want the buckle. Right. <laughs> You'll get, you'll, you'll get the big buckle. You'll probably get the big buckle. Like it's, you know, I mean, and this, I mean, even just to make the first 40 mile cutoff, you know, a lot of people start this race thinking it's a 40 mile race for me. Cause all I like, that's the, yeah, race. yeah. I would chunk it up like that myself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, for sure, instead of looking at the big picture, like I have to get to this at a certain time and then the next one, like like working all the way to the end instead of looking at the big picture yeah. uh for sure that's i will oh go ahead nice to help you chunk it so mm -hmm. like you've already chunked it in the stage race and then you can yeah. chunk it you know for the day of well it's always nice to be able to know the trail you know yeah. um i think that's a huge advantage for anybody in in a first timer race but i mean like excel are you actually going to go out for like right. and and you don't have the opportunity if you know like somebody doesn't live close by to do all these different sections right, right? but if you're going to go back you got if they don't change the course guy <laughs> like you know you know what to expect right and i heard the course is going to change in 2025 but i'm not coming back after i do this gonna do this gonna finish it <laughs> wait the course for leadville or unbounds changing after unbound i heard i don't know somebody just posted that okay. somebody said like is the course going to change and then they said and somebody said to 2025 well and i know they're going north this year right for 20 don't tell me that <laughs> right so they're well aren't they i have no clue um i just know like if it's the same course you know it's the same I don't course. think it's the same course so because i think i think they alternate or do two years going south and then two years going north or something like that oh but any in any way like i have all these things that i'm going to change up regardless of the the route and you know what like jessica like i don't know how you felt like uh, some people talk about um you know the climbs i'm like there were climbs where are the climbs? oh i'm on climb huh? 
you know, because it pops up on your garment and you're like, oh, this is the climb. I think the judge was like maybe the the steepest. And I was just like, okay, well, this is a climb, yeah. Um, but it's not like something I'd no, I've I've done like lots of harder stuff. Yeah. For sure. Like, like I climbed a- up that no problem. Yeah, um, as a mountain biker in Colorado, like you're like, like okay, yeah. <laughs> but the thing the nice thing about excel is that there are way fewer people obviously right there's only about 197 who started on the start line this year and i would prefer even if it's longer to do that than sit in 2000 people like do what i saw online like, you know, all the pictures from 2000, like everybody walking, like that to me would be like, I would do the extra distance just to be out of that. Mm-hmm. You know now, what I mean? Like, what about not having the opportunity to like work together as much because there's like not, um, yeah, I mean, I did come across a couple people that I could work with, but like the odds of you finding somebody that's your speed, <laughs> as pretty slim like I did find at the very end uh two guys that we that we actually ended up working with and together and they were in the 200 um and uh but you know that was nice but at the end of the day you've got to get yourself there and um and I rode with a couple people but they just weren't that and this is this was another eye-opening uh experience that I that I, you know, realized afterwards is that they kind of like, I, I slowed down to stay with them. Uh, You know what I mean? Because I was looking for someone to ride with and talk with where I, I should have just left them. Like they didn't have the same goal as me. Like, you know, this, one of these guys who's from London, England, and I'm like, Oh my God, you're here, dude. Don't you want to finish? Like you came all the way for this. Like, why are you not excited about this? And I think just, this was like probably, you know, 200 miles in. I'm like, well, no, it couldn't have been. He wasn't doing the 200 miler. So, but I was just like, oh my God, like, why don't let's work together? And he's just like, uh, honey, <laughs> you know, and, and, but I slowed down to his pace where I should have just like, cut it and just left like he wasn't into it and so I should have just went on my way and that was one of the things that I've you know I wrote down after as like something that uh you know I would do differently is that I would if I came up to somebody or somebody came up to me they would have to be like 100% going for the finish uh in order to ride together and then I'd have to be like up to their pace if they're too fast for me like I can't I would not be able to sustain myself out of fat like these two guys super like uh, I was just like I'm gonna blow myself up trying to keep up with them and nor do I want to like hold them back so um and you know just being okay biking by myself like getting self-motivated I find is another thing it's like I had some pretty I wouldn't say low moments they're more pain oriented um like my feet were like so sore like I could hardly pedal and my crotch was like just unbelievably on fire like I would stop on the flats and just walk because like I just couldn't so 
bring extra shorts. Like, right. And I don't my shorts. I changed my full kit shoes, everything. Yeah. But you had, you guys had had like, yeah. And you could just drop everything, right? But Excel, you have to carry everything with you. So I know, which is crazy. So put an extra pair of shorts or two in your bag um, because it's totally worth carrying them um, because it rained. Like when we started, it it, we were soaked in the first two hours. So therefore you got 30 plus hours riding in wet gear and it like hands down, I left them. I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring some, ah, no, it's only 30 K 30 hours. I'll be okay. Like, oh my God. So stupid. And bring ibuprofen. Um, I don't usually take drugs, but at some point of that race, I was like, how do I get rid of this pain? And I'm like, oh my God, why did I not buy some? So I asked some guys that I came up to, I said, Hey, do you guys have any like, um, Tylenol or, and they're like, hi, yeah, here. <laughs> I passed it. I'm like I took two of those and I felt like a new person again. Like, like all the pain went away yeah. and I'm like, Jesus, like you just, some things you just do not think about. So like the shorts, the ibuprofen, um, you know, I'm going to bring McDonald's with me next time. That stuff never rots. Like it never goes bad. I'm sure if it's been sitting in the sun, it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I would, uh, next time I will bring like an electric uh, cooler. I don't know why I didn't bring one, but I did ice. I'm like, why not just borrow my dad's electric cooler? I just plug it in, right? Electric cooler. Cause I camped. I was at the campsite. Okay. It was amazing there. You're not bringing an electric cooler on your bike, right? No, 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 no. But to like, to, to have all my food cooled. Right. Like the, the other days, like leading up to it. Right. Cause like I had to rely on ice and things like that was so unrealistic. So next time I'll I'll plug in afterwards. Like, I feel like, like you said your feet, like my hands were fine. My hands and my feet after the 200 were like so unhappy. My no, I didn't don't remember anything about my hands. Um, oh, one thing I would I had uh, a lot of things that I had, but I didn't bring um, tri bars. Mm. You're allowed tri bars in the XL, and I had them. But I decided not to because I didn't have like it was just taking away space from other stuff like right. my garment and all the other things. But I missed those like people who were passing me were in like a try position and they look so freaking comfortable. Like I tried to stretch out as much as I could and just and you just lean right in and you just you your cadence just changes like you just. In, the speed increases over sitting up and like trying to like oh I'd get yourself uncomfortable put I put those on interesting I've never ridden with those ever well I don't really either but the thing is is that you know just because it's a lot of long flat stuff you know yeah. at the end of the day um there's some roll there's rollers there's some like chunky rock climbs and then fast downhills, and then you just get on roads, Mm -hmm. roads, 
roads, roads. And so, and you're by yourself. And, um, and then, so being able to have the option to like change your body position on your bike was just a huge game changer. Like, Absolutely. so when I was thinking about that, I'm like, oh my God, Sylvie, you should have put, just, just, you should have just made it work. But what I was seeing a lot of people, they had modified bike, uh, handlebars that were elevated. So everything would fit underneath like your bike computer, your phone, like all these, like your lights, like all these other things, or they created their own tri bar. Like I heard some people did some 3D printing oh, to wow. create, yeah, like an extension. So like your bars are that far up off your handlebar yeah. so that you could fit everything else underneath it. Uh -huh. um, or they had like a little bar across the top where your light would go and, you know, all these things. So I would definitely be doing that. Yeah. You know, if, if anyone's listening to this and <laughs> they want to do the 200, you know, to your point of like bringing stuff like for the 200 at those aid stations mm -hmm. have so much stuff, like have a whole new kit, like have new shoes. Like I changed. My oh shoes. my God. Really? And it was, it was amazing to just put on a different pair of shoes. Like, and they're, they're totally different. So it was a different pair that rubs you a little bit differently. And it was so nice to just have a different type of shoe on. Um, so you know, on these really long races, I like to, you know, have, you know, all sorts of options of things in case I feel like I need them. Okay. What kind of like special food did you have at your checkpoint, like your uh, transition I area? I didn't do much for special foods. I actually, I fueled that entire race on flow formulas in my bottles and chews. Oh, that's all I ate the whole time. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so when I'm racing my bike, usually choose is the only thing I really want to eat. Are those the, are which, what brand? So I mostly use the cliff blocks. Oh yeah. Not they're not too bad. Huh? I don't love them the best, but the packaging is the easiest to eat. Mm, packaging is so key. Yeah. I actually really like honey stinger way better. Um, but their packaging is more challenging. Oh, like the wafers? Um, no, the chews, the honey stinger chews. Oh, okay. Yeah. If anybody's listening in the industry, packaging is yeah. key. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, the clip bars, they come in that long wand kind of yeah. thing. And you just sort of like squeeze it out yeah. instead of like having to like dig into like dig in. the, yeah. the bag and opening up the bag. And I'm just like, oh, God, like I love also, these pre-open everything like so I use a scissors and open all of my packages ahead yeah of time, so I don't have to open them while I'm riding wow, that's a good idea too I actually just on Wednesday on my ride finished the last of my opened gummies oh. from, from big sugar in October oh, <laughs> I ultimately like bring a little bit more than I end up eating and so I have them open and then I stick them in a Ziploc bag for another ride and I finally mm -hmm. ate my last my last chews from big sugar the other day oh no I gotta go and buy the box like a, a new oh, a no. full new well I have actually plenty but they were the open ones that were oh. from big sugar <laughs> that I just been saving because I didn't want to throw them out <laughs> okay so 
let me ask you about training for unbound, uh, no, sorry, for Leadville. So I, uh, let's just say, uh, like I'm a mount, I've, I start off mountain biking. I'm getting back into mountain biking. I have like the endurance back, back end. Um, like what would I do for training and sort of like getting into technical, like how technical are we talking about? Not for this? very. Like if you're a solid cyclist who knows how to handle a bike, which you do, mm -hmm. it's not. Um, okay. So then what would the training be like? Yeah. I mean, like to me, descending like on a gravel bike is often sketchier than any of those mountain bikes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course that's coming from me being a mountain biker. So I feel more comfortable on a mountain bike. Yeah. Um, you know, they're like descending power line. You have to just watch. You have to be careful. But there's nothing uphill that's particularly technical. Um, I mean, I would think the biggest thing that would be different, you know, you're already going to be training for like gravel stuff. So you're going to be getting like all of that. The, all of that training is going to help. I would say the biggest thing is being able to do steeper climbs. And, oh, okay. You know, it's so which, which feels very different, which for me is way easier. Like I am so much stronger on a steep climb than a flat gravel road like okay i'm that's where i need to work on my training is i need to work on keeping the I, endurance space like the yeah, speed i, I get on the complacent flat. like if it's flatter i kind of just like i stop stop working as hard like without realizing oh. it. um whereas huh. if you're on a steep climb like you have to keep mm -hmm. working hard because it's a steep climb so so finding steep climbs i think is the biggest thing like now how what is the distance for a steep climb like say that like common columbine is yeah. the the climb like how long does it take like so, is it 20 minute yeah so columbine is the climb but also power line is also another climb to know um, are they on the same circuit or two different ones well i guess in leadville it's like the whole thing yeah but uh um so you hit columbine so you you leave, you leave Leadville and you do a few smaller climbs before you descend the big power line. Oh, okay. So that then power line's it, first? The descent of it is first. Oh. Because um, oh. remember, it's an out and back, so you're going to climb back up it later. Oh, even in, the, in the full race for Leadville? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, so it's like you go out, a little lollipop, come back, and then go somewhere else? No, you would like literally go 50 miles this way and 50 miles back. Oh, okay. And and that's not totally accurate. There are a few places where it diverges, but essentially big picture, it is 50 miles and 50 miles right back the way you came. Oh, okay. And it's actually like 52 miles, I guess, because it's like 104 or something. Okay. Um, but so... Columbine starts and the whole Columbine climb is probably at least an hour. Oh, okay. But it's pretty chill for the first 40 minutes. <laughs> like oh you're, on a, you're on a, like, you know, just a dirt road. That's a pretty. That's like just a continuous, like grade yeah. going up. Yeah. Okay. Continuous mellow grade. And right. then when it starts getting a little bit chunkier and steeper, like maybe you spend about 20 minutes and I'm, these are rough memory numbers, but maybe about 20 minutes going up the hard, hard stuff. 
and until then, you hit the top. And then you descend all that. And then it's about mile 80 ish where you have to climb back up this power line that you descended. Uh, okay. So and it's common. Uh, oh, okay. I think. Is it steeper, shorter, steeper? It's steeper, but it's probably still like, I don't know. It's probably still like, it's probably like 20 minute climb. Um, and it's steep, it's steep, steep. And you have like so many false summits, like 13 of them or something where you like think that's the top and then you get there and then you're like, oh my God. Oh, so are you talking like 16%? Like, do you know the grade? Um, I am sure that there's stuff that probably gets to like 20%. Oh. In pieces, I, I would right. guess. Um, it's like, it's, <laughs> I was able to ride up the whole entire thing and you know, for strong cyclists, I think most strong cyclists are, but a lot of people like that's just impossible to ride. I think it's bike. also your gear range for sure as well that you have yeah. on your bike. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I have like good, easy gears, mostly because I do so much climbing here in Colorado that like <laughs> I have good, easy gears. I was like, this is the required cassette for yeah. this area. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much so what's the highest is it like a 45 oh no on on my rear cassette goes to a 50 oh um, my god yeah which is standard like it's an eagle so it's like a standard eagle cassette some of them go to 52 but i have a 50 holy shit and so i what's... think my front chain ring is a 32 i was just gonna ask 32 52 oh. yeah. wow yeah so I can go up some pretty steep stuff. Yeah. How do you find like going down? Like. I love descending. Um, I didn't used to when I first started mountain biking. I was <laughs> terrified. But now I love going downhill on my bike. And But in races, I actually, you know, it's that. It's different. You got to worry about everybody else around you. You got to worry about other people around you. You also don't want to like, you know, when you're descending power line in Leadville, you're like maybe 20 miles in, like, I don't mm. want to, I don't want to be crashing 20 miles in. Right. Like that would suck. Um, you don't want to do something crazy. So, you know, trying to be smooth and smart without being reckless, you know? Yeah. I think that's the the thing. Like, did you watch people around you kind of like end up crashing or like having serious mechanicals? Cause they were just not uh, managing themselves well, or like, they're just doing rec, like you said, reckless things. Like yeah. you see people around you. I'm trying to think if I saw people crash at Leadville, I don't remember. Or I, I anybody. Remember. Some, um, did yeah, anything I've happen? I've like definitely people. seen people have mechanicals for sure. And yeah, you know, I think some of that is, you know, some mechanicals is not less, is less your fault. And some is definitely more user error. Like, well, yeah. you were riding pretty aggressively for the tires you were running. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Tires. We'll just talk about those in a second. And it's the same with like unbound. Like I saw people and I can't even imagine having a mechanical at night, but, um, there were oh plenty God, of people. Right. Yeah. Like there were so many people around us, like flat tires, like flats and um broken chains and broken derailers and but the thing is that 
a lot of that was because uh like the chains and the derailers because you're just trying to like get through like bike through that muck right and it at some point you're just like okay you, it's not it's a no-go like get off and right. start walking or yeah. you can even you could even bike in the grass right. very slowly because there was there was very few people right, right? like it wasn't like an ant call, you know, like a line of ants like like the 200 where it's just like hundreds of people following each other no there's like maybe a couple spattering of us like on the sides like well um spaced out um but there I just remember this one kid and he was a kid and he had like three flats like he would flat we'd pass him then he'd pass us then he'd flat again and it was just like that like throughout the night and he just like was devastated like he's like I don't know but I'm just like what what are you doing like have you like because there's like his bike was so muddy like how do you not get mud in there or how do you like find what is causing your flat like because there's so much mud on your tire like you need to like this whatever is sticking in your tires obviously still sticking your tire because you keep getting flats down the road and um like I went to tubeless which was a high recommendation. I've never done it before. I did it myself and um glad I did because uh, I didn't have any mechanicals. Um, and I played it smart because- did you, did you ride with inserts in? No. Okay. I brought them. Yeah. I brought them just in case, but uh, the the liquid inside your tubeless tires is important. So I, when I, yeah, yeah. Uh, So when I was getting, like, I had a friend come over to, to just check my bike to make sure everything was okay. Like, cause I had done a little bit of work myself and just like, just want to make sure everything's okay. And and gears are working well. And, um, and he was like, so um, what kind of liquid do you have in your tires? Do you have like race sealant or regular? And I was just like, what, what are you talking about? He's like well, race sealant has like carbon fiber, like it's got stuff in it so that it seals from the inside and it creates like a little mold around the hole. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, but then like um, at um, Barry Roubaix, and this is what I did the very last second before I went to start is I, I had this... Um, race sealant that had walnuts in it like don't ask me I think I tossed I taught I got it at Barry Roubaix um but the substance that was in it was crushed walnuts and I I emptied that that jar in both my tires and I'm like okay I think I'm gonna be good you know um as I'm like I think I should put this stuff in there and just mix it with whatever is in there um <laughs> right and and you know the funny thing is that <laughs> like like somebody said well you know at some point in time you have to take those tires off and like just do a little clean inside and reset everything so I'm like yeah that kind of makes sense so I the other day probably like last month I tried to take these 
tubeless tires off. And the thing is that I, I'm sure there's a technique that I'm, I'm totally missing, but when I, I was trying to get off the rims, the mm-hmm. two sides stuck together, like the tire. And I'm like, that's because all the sealant inside is like sticky. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just like, going to leave this to another day. <laughs> so, because some people say like, you take it off and you can see the holes that were plugged, right? Cool. From, yeah. from the sealant. And I'm like, oh man. So it would be really cool to see if I actually had some sort of flats during the race and they were plugged up, like they were sufficiently uh, filled with the sealant. Yeah. It is fun. It's fun to see. You see these little like rubber, rubber balls. Yeah. So I do like it. That's something I I really do need to take off and and check out instead of like just continuously pumping uh, sealant in there, which you should do on a regular basis. Right. um, Because it does stick and you know, then it's less. And now my bike is sitting around and not doing anything. And, um, it's probably like all congealing right at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And here in like a dry climate, it like dries out faster here in Colorado. Oh yeah. Dries out. Um, yeah. it gets used up cause it's just, it sticks around. And so it's just those little things that you don't think about, like, you know, um, and, and you learn, uh, as you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of learning. I mean, and I think that every race is a learning opportunity and there's always something that comes from, you know, each race that you're like, okay, well, I want to do that better for this next thing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the, you know, like I was saying before, one of the reasons of considering the 350 is like to have that Everest, to have that thing, you know, and it was from watching like from the ground up, which is that um, series on YouTube, which I highly recommend. Check it out. The Ground Up? Uh, from the Ground Up. From the Ground Up. Okay, I'm just yeah. going to write that down. Um, it's hosted by Alexi and Matt. Um, and they they take people who are like beginner cyclists and train them and get them ready for Leadville. Oh. Um, so it's really inspiring. And these people, you know, to do Leadville is such a big deal for them. And yeah. And that's what makes me be like, well, what's my Everest? What do I want to do? And that's where I'm thinking, you know, do I want to try this Unbound XL? Like, is that my Everest? And mm-hmm. and it's, it's, I'm torn because, you know, there's that, I don't know, wanting to accomplish something that you don't know you can finish is super exciting. But I also worry about like destroying my body, um, uh, like a little bit. Well, so like I'm 52. So that was also a big concern for me as well. Like, uh-huh. how am I going to feel afterwards? Right. Well, I can tell you that my legs were like uber sore for like two days. And I had to drive back to Canada, uh-huh. like over five days, which was fine. Um, And I chunked it up and I I, I camped at different campsites on the way and I got some good sleep because I was the next weekend I was doing an event oh, in gosh. Toronto I know and I was like because when I set it up uh, like it it just happened that way and I'm like oh it's a charity ride like it's a charity event for cancer and it's two days so it's 100k and then 125 and I'm like oh that'd be easy 
<laughs> but but I'm like, oh my God, how am I gonna feel right after that? So uh my so my crotch had a whole week to like recover. My feet were in different shoes, like and I slept and I ate and um and I was in a way better place than I thought I would be. That's awesome. Um, and like for Unbound, I finished a 500 kilometers. So I got to the last checkpoint and they said that I couldn't continue. And I was fully right. Like I only had 60K left. I'm like, what's 60K? And I just did like 500, you know, like, right. well, well, if there's more mud, woo, you know, like, um, so, so I, I know I can get that far. It's just like, I was just the time. Right. And then I look back at all the things that I did and I'm like, yeah, I, I totally see where I, um, you know, I had wasted time. Um, and, uh, you know, and so there's a lot of things that I can improve too. I mean, training happen helps too. Right. Um, I was fine during the night. Uh -huh. Totally cool. Like I did a lot of night training. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, having good lights, number one, backup lights, you know, um, your battery pack, like all these things um, so that you can travel fast, mm -hmm. right? If you don't have good lights, I mean, there's no really no excuse not to have good lights these days. You know, right. I, I started adventure racing and I have that background of like right. 36 hour races. And I was just like, man. Yeah, this is just like a 36 hour adventure race. Like I got that checkpoint, that checkpoint, that's right. Oh my God, we're almost done. Um, and it's like, but it's through two nights. So, um, you know, having that backup, feeling comfortable at night, feeling comfortable by yourself. Um, I never listened to any of my, any music or anything. Like I was just taking in everything around me. Yeah, like I, I was just like, it. holy crap, I'm in like butt fuck Kansas and look at this place. And and uh, you know, my motivation was really it it changed over the the whole race, like um to get to the next checkpoint. Um, you know, I come across people that were like had pulled the plug in the middle. I don't even know where we were, but you know, when you do that, like you have to get to somebody to pick you up wherever that is and that scared me even more than anything else you know it's like <laughs> making sure my bike was okay and like I didn't want not want to be like pulling the plug in the middle somewhere and 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 having to walk my bike like 10 miles mm -hmm. you know and so that scared me and that motivated me a lot and then I went through like thinking about my kids and all these other things and then like just fucking finishing and you know like it it goes through stages like where you are in that event okay. and uh you know and I just you know I was okay when I finished because I was with those two guys and the funny thing eh, Jessica like when um so we're we were finishing this last section to the last town, which I think was Hamilton. Um, that was the last like time cutoff. And these, these race organizers were going in and picking people up because people just like bailed like right in the middle of the 
course. I mean, it's flat. Like, why can't you make it back? Like, you know, honestly, um, I, I just don't understand. Like, I never not finish anything. Um, and then there they had pulled. So they were going back and forth passing us. Like we continued riding. And then they're like, they came back out and they're like, you know, you missed the cutoff by an hour and a half. Your race is over, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, okay, I guess race is over. And these guys had uh, one of their wives was their support crew. And so when she was, she came in, like she pulled up the car, she had out the bins, she had out the recovery drink. Like, honestly, they were changed before I even turned around. <laughs> and it was so funny. Like she handed me this recovery drink. I took a sip. I was like, mm. um, and, and, but like if they weren't there i would have continued had to continue because i had no way home i wow. had nobody to call like there's a couple people who gave me their phone numbers and but you know the funny thing is that i texted them but they never responded <laughs> so like so really i had to get myself home Wow. And, and that's another thing, right? Like if there's nobody there to pick you up, you just have to finish. You have to, unless like some sort of really bad thing, you can't take care of your bike. So if you've got chain links, you got an extra chain, you got an extra derailleur hanger. Um, hopefully you don't break spokes, but people continued on with broken spokes. Like um, I had stuff for my tires like there was really no excuse for me to not be able to finish unless like I was certainly broken from the inside right you know and if you've done all this racing Jessica you can do it like seriously am you I, just I like stupid enough to do it there's the no guy. it's stupid that's such a bad word no <laughs> okay you know what I did that made it a huge um benefit to me and I don't know if I Hold on. Let me just see. All right. Okay, everybody. I'm just looking in my file cabinet. I have something to show her. Hold on. <laughs> if, if it's right here. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, it's somewhere. But what I did, Jessica, is I went and I bought a Atlas map. Uh-huh. And I cut out all the pages and I put the race course together. Uh -huh. It was this big. <laughs> so, but the thing is that I had a full visual of where you were, of where I was mm -hmm. and where I was going. So to me, I knew exactly where I was. Like there are certain, like there are cities, like little cities that we had to go through. So, okay. I knew where I was on the course. There were like water cross, like river crossing. So I knew where I was. And so that helped a lot. And I had marked it out like, okay, I'm going to be at this checkpoint, like at this time, um, it's this, these many kilometers and things like that. So I never really accessed it, but if, if worst case scenario, like my garment had crapped out, right. then I would be kind of able to figure out 
how to get where there. I was. It wasn't that detailed, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? And um, so having that and just like looking at it all the time, like before the race, like I had it with me, I brought it with me, um, was huge yeah. for me. Like just seeing the big picture. Cause I find, um, you know, when you go for these rides and you're like, oh, I'm not quite sure exactly where we're going. Um, it's, it's harder to put everything together and kind of like, so I just like, okay, first 125 kilometers, next 125 kilometers, 80, 60, 60. And then you're done. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, you've ridden that much. You've got 125 kilometers, which is like, you know, 60 miles. You've yeah. done that. Miles. You've done that a couple times in a row. You've got yeah. a couple, you know, uh, 45 miles, you know, like, so and if you look need, at that, who needs sleep? I only slept 15 minutes. Did you actually sleep? Huh? Oh, I did. I slept yeah. like a rock. Um, I'm really good at power napping at the home here. So like when I'm feeling tired, I put my alarm on and I just like, I was like, no, nobody talked to me for like 15 minutes. And then I wake up a new person. Um, I don't know if you're good at that, but I started that like when I was 16, <laughs> you know, party all night, work all day, nap, party, work, yeah. school, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but so like with Leadville, did you look at the elevation and did you were able, like, I mean, I know you're really close, but for anybody, so like myself, um, what would you recommend? Like, I just want to go back to the training because it's all about training on like certain, uh, like training certain parts of the course. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, if you can go up there and ride the course and ride it in parts, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but just, you know, training by riding, you know, places with big climbs, like you just need to get good at big climbs. Yeah. You know, that's something that's just critical. Um, and that's right in my wheelhouse. And I do that all the time. Like, I know it's in your backyard yeah. for us. So, I think it'd be like hill repeats on some sort of small ski hill. Yeah, possibly. Because <laughs> um, that's what, I mean, you need to be able to do, you know, big mm -hmm. climbs. <clears throat> yeah. So that's important. Um, I'm pretty haphazard about my training. I'm not very structured. Um, I ride my bike because I love to ride my bike. Um, yeah. And I ride with friends a lot. Um, so I don't stick to a structured training plan because then I wouldn't be able to ride with friends and that fills my soul. So, hmm. you know, my perspective on, on racing is very much like, I want to just have fun out there. I want to love to ride my bike. I want to connect with people. Um, I'm not, you know, making a career out of this. I just want to do it for, you know, for fun. Like that's why I do it. Um, I do it because it's fun. Sometimes type two fun, sometimes type three fun, but <laughs> still, I'm doing it for the fun. I'm not doing it to like pay the bills. Okay. So how did you feel like, let's get into you joining Lifetime Grand Prix because, um, what was that experience life like with them, that organization being 
a rider like I didn't realize I guess uh, go ahead I mean it was generally really good like I felt um I felt like we were well taken care of okay Um, that's important like yeah and I felt like it got more so like towards the end like I think that um and and part of that was you know things that the riders excuse me organized um you know leading up to big sugar which was the last race um Haley Smith organized like all of us women in the Grand Prix oh that's cool and that was super fun it was you know and and we were saying we should have done that like like at the beginning of the Grand Prix Mm -hmm. like so we could get to know each other um and I think I hope that they do something like that I did not apply to the Grand Prix this year and I'm not doing it because I want to choose my own races this year but um would you you say it's a great experience for anybody who wants to be able to travel and race like did you find that you were kind of burnt out by the end of all of it I don't think I got burnt out but I again I think my approach to training has something to do with that (laughs) so I you know could I have had better performances if I trained more structured absolutely but that was not my goal in life this year so Uh, see yeah so um, so you were able to, to attend and enjoy, like, obviously yeah. you're not racing for top five or top right. three. And yeah. that, that's a difference totally. in training. That's a difference in yeah. intensity level when you're racing, Yeah. like, you know, you're just going to finish and have a good time. Yeah. That's not very much off your body. I would say. Yeah. How so. much does it cost you to travel and do all those races, by the way? Because um, <laughs> that's a lot of time away from the. I want to. Um, so the Grand Prix pays for the race entries, so that's really great. Okay, um, that's yeah, a plus. Yeah. Travel. I only had to fly to one of them. No, two of them. I flew to, flew to two of them. Um, so obviously that you know adds probably seven hundred to a thousand dollars with flight and rental car. Mm. Mm. So yeah, but. Yeah, I don't know. It was a great experience. And I'm just looking for like what the next experiences are, you know, what, what do I want to do next? And I think that it gave me good perspective for, you know, this year wanting to choose my races and pick what, pick what makes my soul happy. Um, and that's, that's my goal right now. And it's hard because all these races are opening for, you know, registrations now. And I'm like, I don't know that I'm ready to choose yet, but I kind of have to be. I don't think everything will fill up like Barry yeah. Roubaix did. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. No. I was done in like 24 hours. I was lucky to get in, yeah. but that's in Michigan. So that's a bit far for you. Um, but- I have another one. So if you do Excel uh-huh. in August, you can come up and stay with me. There's a Canadian, uh, no, it's a gravel backpacking challenge and it's in Quebec oh, wow. and it's 500 kilometers. <laughs> Wow. I'm doing the Breck Epic in August. That is the one race I know I'm doing. Um, Where's that? Um, in Breckenridge, Colorado. Oh, okay. Well, your it's backyard. Six, yeah. This one's in my day. backyard. Yeah. It's a six day mountain bike stage race. It's super fun. Oh, so. cool. See, I like maybe get, get myself a proper mountain bike. I just ride like my very old mountain bike and the kids mountain bikes, which are a little bit small for me, Yeah, but, but. it is nice to be on a 29er. I have to say like, but uh, so this has been awesome. I just want, I thought, I hope everybody who is listening got kind of like a, a good visual on both of these 
events like Leadville compared to Excel. Um, because, uh, you know, I have to do Leadville and you have to do Excel. We'll and see. I'll <laughs> keep you guys posted. Follow me on Instagram and I'll let you know if I decide to. <laughs> She's good. And then I'll help her succeed. Awesome. Hopefully I'll, and I'll, and I'll make sure that I cross the finish line too. <laughs> but uh thank you so much jessica and uh, yeah i'm sure like if you do decide i'll help you um the training the night riding the packing like all these cool things that kind of need like start in january february Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and yeah so make sure you follow jessica on instagram where what's your handle on instagram is it um jessica mtb 37 all right there jessica mtb 37 that'll be in the description and uh seekers from the saddle podcast on youtube and instagram and you can follow myself on instagram youtube facebook tiktok linkedin like, I don't know. Everywhere. Just Google my name. You can find me. Uh, thanks a lot, everybody. Have an amazing day. And thanks a lot for making the time for me, Jess. I, thanks so much like, for having me. Yeah. I enjoyed the conversation because I was super curious. You know, getting a female's perspective is way different than a men's, I have to say. Totally. I think it's more honest than a guy's. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I appreciate it. Now I've got a much better picture than what I had in my head before. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right. All right. Thanks everybody. Have an amazing day and we'll see you on the next episode. All right, friends. What did you think about that? What are your takeaways with regards to long endurance riding? Or um, if you're thinking yourself about doing Excel or um, do you have any more advice for me or for Jessica with regards to Leadville and Excel, I would love to hear your feedback on YouTube. So hopefully you're listening to this on YouTube or um, you can also DM uh, Seekers from the Saddle podcast or Sylvideu underscore cyclist on Instagram and share your comments um, because I'm always trying to uh, get uh, some more engagement with regards to this podcast and the episodes. So I love to get this conversation started. So let's do it, everybody. So I hope you enjoyed that episode and we'll see you on the next episode, I guess, podcast. Um, have an amazing day. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. 
It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.